0: In episode 507 with myself, Nick, and our brilliant book editor, Jess, we are diving deep into all things time magic. We are pulling back the curtains to celebrate the release of time magic and it being out in the world today. Let's get started. The Melissa and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? Hey, beautiful, and welcome back to the show. I am so excited about this episode because Time Magic is out today, and we are doing something that we've never done before. To celebrate the release of our brand new book, Time Magic, Reclaim Your Time, Reclaim Your Life, Nick and I have taken off our interviewers' hats, we've moved to the other side of the desk, and we're passing the mic to our longtime book editor, Jess Larson. For those of you who haven't heard of her before, Jessica Larson is a book coach, copywriter, and editor who helps people bring their book ideas to life so that they can get their work into the hands, hearts, and bookshelves of their ideal readers. She's worked on books in genres like self-help, spirituality, travel, health, parenting, and business. Her clients have graced bestseller lists, landed deals with legacy publishers, and most importantly of all, have felt amazing when they have finally ticked write a book off their bucket list. For more information on Jess, you can head to Jessica Larson, that's Jess has been part of my creative team for over 10 years now. She is the only person who's worked with me that long through all my books. And we've developed this really awesome creative relationship where we can both kind of read each other's minds. It's actually amazing and awesome. I love this woman. So when Nick and I decided that we wanted to do something extra special to celebrate the release of Time Magic, We decided that we wanted someone else to interview us about the book, to dig deep, and to ask all kinds of the juicy questions that not many people know. So we thought, who better than Jess to interview us, who knows all about time magic since we first conceived the idea years ago, and who's seen exactly how we work, write, live, and create. So here we are passing the mic over to her while the two of us sit in the hot seat. In this interview, you'll hear her grill us on so many epic topics. Why it's important to treat time like compound interest, the relationship between your mental load and how much time you have, tangible ways to make your free time feel more fulfilling, the number one time trap that Nick and I are most likely to fall into and how we set boundaries to make sure that it doesn't happen, the game-changing technique of priority planning, the super simple longevity hacks that can add years to your life and life to your years, and the number one time magic technique that we wish kids could learn at school to change their lives forever. You, my friend, can order a copy right now by visiting timemagic.me or visiting your local bookstore. For everything that we mentioned in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes and that's over at melissarambrosini.com forward slash five zero seven. Now, without further ado, let's dive in. Welcome, beautiful. Welcome. Thank you for
1: having me. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini <laughs> Show, your own show. And of course, I'm not Melissa Ambrosini, but I am the one in the seat of power. So thank you. <laughs> oh, oh boy, I'm scared. <laughs> you should be. You should be. So I have been, I know you You introduced me a little bit, but I have had the privilege of being almost a creative collaborator with both of you for nearly 10 years. I think it's 10 years, which is crazy. Wow. So, yeah, I had the honor and privilege of being along for the entire ride of Time Magic, right from the book's inception when it was just a twinkle in both your eyes. So, who better to grill you on it than the person who's been there since the start? Well, first, guys, what did you have?
0: Hey, I, oh, yes. She <laughs> does listen, she pays attention. <laughs> well, we had the same thing. So, firstly, I always have A big glass of, well, my bottle of filtered water, clean, clean water. So that is the first thing that goes into my temple.
2: Is that what the bottle is? So
0: the yeah, the hydrogen health. I've got it right here. So I have a big bottle of that, room temperature water. And then I had overnight oats, which I made for everyone. So Nick had the same. And so it's oats with ginger with organic coconut yogurt, homemade nut milk, blueberries, raspberries, figs, flax seeds, chia seeds, brazil nuts. It's like this beautiful thing that I do the night before, and so in the morning I just pull it out, give that to Bambi. She absolutely loves it and I put a banana in there. So that's what I had.
2: Well, obviously I had the same thing, but <laughs> I did I did get some um there's this really nice plant-based protein I get from source, like a bulk shop, source Whole Foods. And um, I just shake that up in nut milk and pour that over the top just to add a bit more protein because, I don't know, I'm a man and men are obsessed with protein even though I know that I don't have to be. I just am for some stupid reason.
0: I think you just more do it because you like the taste.
2: I do, but I am training pretty hard at the moment and I do find that when I up my protein, I don't know, I feel better. So there's something to it, but I don't think... Most people need to think about protein.
1: That sounds amazing. And um, so now the question is, why are we recording in separate places and why didn't you invite me over? Uh-huh.
0: Yes, next time, babe. Next time. Next time. <laughs> okay,
1: so let's move on to the book, Why We're Here. I love the story of how the book came about because I am one of the people who looked at you guys for years and was like, how the heck do they do it all? So can you please start at the very beginning and tell us how the idea for the book came about?
0: Yes. Yeah, so as you know, we had so many people like yourself, our friends, family, people we coach, people at events would come up to us and just say, how do you two do it? Or how do you have businesses? How do you still have time to go to the beach with your daughter for an hour at lunchtime? How are you present parents? How do you still have a thriving relationship? How on earth do you do it all? And we would scratch our head and be like, you just do it. Like, Don't people know about tick or flick? Don't people know about time magic tricks? Don't people know all of these things? And it wasn't until a friend of ours said, no, like we actually don't know and no one has taught us these things. And so That is kind of how the book was birthed. But I should also mention that we wrote 80,000 words of this book about four years ago. And then we put that on pause because I got this intuitive download that that wasn't the right book at that time. And Comparisonitis came through. And so I wrote Comparisonitis. I wrote that while I was pregnant. That came out the week that Bambi was born. And it's very interesting because in the publishing world, our publisher at HarperCollins was explaining to us that during COVID, which is when Comparisonitis came out, during COVID, the sales for fiction books went through the roof and personal development, self-help, health, wellness, all of those books didn't do as well, which tells us that during COVID, those two years of intense COVID, that a lot of people were wanting to escape. They were wanting escapism, you know, to lose themselves in those novels. And even Nick, who has never read fiction, started reading fiction.
2: And I wrote a fiction. (laughs) I wrote a fiction novel as well.
0: Exactly. So he read fiction and he wrote a fiction novel, which we'll talk about that in another episode. And that's coming out soon. But then when COVID ended, our publisher called us and said, what have you done with time magic, which at the time it was called something different. What have you done with time magic? And we're like, oh, 80,000 words is sitting there. And she said, how quickly can you turn this around? It's time. And we were like, what do you mean it's time? And then she went on to explain to us that now more than ever, self-help, personal development, productivity, like all of these health and wellness type of books are going through the roof because people have come out of COVID they want to take care of themselves, they realize the sacredness and the preciousness of life. And so she was like, how quickly can you guys turn this around? It's time. And so we did, we got it out there. But it's also really interesting because I feel like another reason why that happened, because as you know, Jess, I write all of my books really quickly, but this one technically took four years. And another reason why I think it happened like that is because I was meant to write this book through the lens of being a mother, and if it had have come out four years ago when it was technically meant to come out, I wouldn't have been able to express from that lens of being a mother and so I feel like it's all perfect it's all happening in divine time and uh, it's now here and it's amazing and we are so excited that it is out in the world so that's a bit about how it it came about. So the book is called Time Magic. How
1: is Time Magic different to time management?
2: Oh my gosh, it's so different. <laughs> so time management tends to be the process of getting more done in less time. You know, like squashing more things in, being more productive. Now, there's a time and a place for being productive, of course, and we speak about that in the book, especially the tickle flick system which I created. Time magic, however, is we first start out by showing people where they're spending their time. In fact, I just want to preface it by saying that our big promise of the book is that we promise to deliver more value in this book than any other book in less time. We make that promise upfront because by simply going through the exercises in this book and following it, you can get back, reclaim up to 16 years of your life, which is pretty good for like 28 bucks, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a huge promise. And we start the book by showing people where their time is being spent. Now, if we sort of zoom out for a minute and just have a look at that, we have, this is just on average, someone who lives 79, 80 years, how the average person spends their time. We worked with a statistician, as you know, Jess, to pull this together. And there's around 26 years asleep. There's around 13 years at work. When I say years, we're talking about every second of the day when you condense it down. The average 15-year-old who gets a phone at 15, and this is a teenage boy at the moment, the statistics are based off that, who then uses the phone like the average teenage boy and then goes into adulthood, will spend up to 13 years on their phone. Now, we know that kids get phones a lot earlier than 15. So in reality, we're probably looking at more than that. Um, There's time spent on the toilet five years eating food. There's all these things. Now, when you zoom out and you look at what's left at the end of your life, and some of that time is vacations. It's about three years on vacations on average for most people um, over a whole lifetime. There's time socializing. So there is some good stuff in there as well. But when you zoom out and you look at what's left after that, it's 1.12 years that's left. And we wanted to change that. We don't want that for us. We don't want it for our children. We don't want it for our audience. We want to change that reality. So Time Magic is about reclaiming your time and hence reclaiming your life. And we do that by getting clear on where your time's going, first of all, changing your relationship with time so that people understand the preciousness of it. Because if you're not aware of how precious it is, then it's not a priority, right? So we help you get really clear on that. Then we show you all the tips and tricks to streamline your life, optimize your life, how to be more productive when you need to be more productive, how to be healthier so the years you are alive are spent more vital, how to live longer as well. There's an amazing chapter called Everyday Longevity, which teaches you how to add years to your life. But no doubt you have questions to dig into each of those parts, I'm sure.
1: Well, just I love the overview. And I think it's it's interesting from a behind the scenes perspective when we were first sort of Refining the idea and sharing it with the publisher. And I think people's initial reaction is we've never seen a book like this before. Like books that talk about time usually only talk about how to get more done and it stops right there. And you guys were so clear right from the start that it's almost ridiculous to talk about time without talking about, for example, your body and health as the instrument through which you experience time, what you're actually doing with your time, your time off, because who wants to spend all their time chained to a laptop? So I love how it truly is a a genre defying book, really. On a personal level, I'd love to know before we start digging into the different bits, Nick, you just mentioned working with a statistician, Uncovering all the different ways that people are unintentionally flushing their time down the toilet. For each of you, what's the way that you discovered you were
0: unintentionally flushing down the toilet that scared you? I think for me, it was it's it's the phone, and and I know that wasn't even like I was aware of that, but I think when you see the stats that say thirteen years of your life on your phone, including social media. For me, my jaw was on the floor, and that just isn't good enough for me. And it's not how I want to live my life, you know, with my head down and looking into my phone. So that was a big one for me. Yeah, look, I think
2: I'd have to agree. I think it is phone. I mean, I don't have the relationship with my phone that most people have. I think I'm pretty, I don't know, I don't enjoy being on the phone, Um, I don't enjoy being on social media. So I don't feel like I have as much of a, a tie to it, but it's still highlighted how much of an issue it is. Even just the statistic on, on food, eating food, I thought was interesting. Cause I'm like, well, I chew more than Melissa. So like, I probably I'm spending more time eating, but I'm not going to change that because
0: that's a good thing. <laughs> that's
2: a good thing. Um, so I thought that was quite funny because yeah, I, I want to spend more time eating actually.
0: <laughs> uh, I don't- think nick wastes any time like he is the most efficient focused human being i know
2: no i have to disagree i think you're way more focused What? yeah you're more focused and efficient than i am i might be doing more i might have my hands and more bits of pie but i mean jess you worked with melissa for a long time you know how prolific she is um mind you jess You're pretty damn prolific too because you're a mom and you don't have, you know, as much time as you used to have and you get it all done. So you're actually amazing. Can I ask you a question now? I'm going to ask you a question. Yeah. What was the, rather than the statistic, what was the thing in the book that you actually implemented that has made the biggest difference? Oh, I
0: know the answer to this.
1: (laughs) Maybe not. Maybe not. I think the thing that sort of... For me, I think it was something clicking into place that perhaps I'd known intuitively, but had never, you know, you need it said to you by the right person at the right time and that click into place. And I think that in the self-help world and the personal development world, it's so often thrown around of like the words of like, create your dream life, you know, create a life that you don't want to escape from, do all these things. But it's not often connected to practical steps. And it's not often connected to your daily lives. So I think one of the things for me that really hit home was the chapter that's right at the start of the book, where we talk a lot about scheduling secrets and priority planning and how what you actually say yes to in your life. And I love the concept you guys came up with of priority planning, where you literally schedule the things that, you, that are important to you first. and. It you know, I think I'm a definitely a recovering people, pleaser, and I'm always just used to doing everyone else's things before myself, before my own, and it's this idea of if you want to create a life that you actually dream of that you actually want. It actually starts with saying yes to the things that are important to you, and sometimes that means disappointing other people. And I think that's a really hard lesson to learn. And I love that there are, you know, there's an actual practical strategy to follow in the book. But that's actually, I think, the biggest thing. I know Mel what you were gonna say. and we'll come back to that later when we start talking about longevity because it's true and that's a little teaser for later. <laughs> but yeah, I I I feel like that was so important and you guys model that really well. So specifically, let's let's bring that along. We do a whole there's a whole chapter on health. And I think you guys are known you know your podcast is passionately about health and wellness. It's obviously a passion of yours, but one thing that you guys model so well and always have—it's not an act; it's a, it's a walking the walk—is putting your health first. So it's almost like your priority planning your health and making it the priority, the, the pillar on which everything else can can stem from. So how do you do that specifically? With a kid or when life is busy or when there are deadlines, how do we make sure that we prioritize this foundational pillar of health?
2: Mm. Well, I think, to be honest, it's keeping things really simple. And, you know, Melissa's great at this because we've brought in a bit of a system even just to our food where the night before we write down breakfast, lunch and dinner and it's all written out and we soak what we've got to soak, we get ready what we have to get ready. So there's no thought process. The next day it's like oh what are we having that's right we're doing this this and this and just the simple act of doing that takes away the the decision fatigue you know removing those unnecessary decisions like you don't want to get to lunch and go what am i having for lunch
0: and then reach for junk or just pick something up or just skip the meal so that is something that's really been so powerful for us is when we're doing the dishes I whip out a little piece of paper and I write breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and I literally write everything we're having. So then I go, okay, cool. I need to soak some chickpeas. I need to soak some almonds to make almond milk and whatever it is. But it's just, it takes 30 seconds, but probably saves me 30 minutes of standing at a fridge the next day.
2: Yeah. And we've we've also got an app called Paprika. It's an app which we have all our recipes in. And also um, our groceries. So it just means that when we run out of something, for example, one of us will pop that in the groceries. It's an app on both of our phones. So if we're out and about and we realize, oh, we're out of this, we're out of that, then we don't have to be ringing each other and wasting time on that. Oh, what do you need from the shops again? There's these little things we talk about in the book, which just they literally save you a lot of time and decision fatigue. But of course, you know, eating is one thing we keep it very simple our food template during the week is extremely simple you know mainly the overnight oats we mentioned before for breakfast lunchtime is always some sort of vegetable is the sort of main hero of the dish whether it's a big salad or whether it's steamed vegetables we'll have some sort of carbohydrate source whether it's roasted sweet potato or quinoa or something and then a protein which we you know, we're plant based so our protein is usually a bean or a legume or a chickpea something like that so it's very simple. Some avocados, olive oil. Like it's so simple, but we're consistent. And I think that health is about consistency. It's very easy to make decisions every day that can... It's almost like if you're flying back from the moon back to earth, if you go off like 0.1 of a degree, you're going to end up a long way from earth. You're not going to make make it home. And these decisions that you make every day, these are those degrees. And if you change for example for breakfast if you're making a slightly unhealthy choice for breakfast a slightly unhealthy choice for lunch a slightly unhealthy choice for dinner it's going to take you a long way from where you want to be and i always say that health is very simple really it's just about being consistent and of course on top of that it's consistency in movement you know this morning we've just moved house i went for a walk about a 45 minute walk around this this um, area it's so beautiful Summer's coming up. I was walking through like a jungle, basically. It was so stunning, like a rainforest. And we're very consistent with that. I know that Monday, Tuesday and Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I work out. I walk the other days. I surf when I can. I just don't make it too complex. I have a system that works for me. We speak about it in the book, how being really efficient with my workout time includes using resistance bands because I have found, number one, I can do them anywhere, Right. Two, they're cheap. Three, they're very low impact on the body. And I feel way better when I use resistance bands to weights. And so it's about finding what's good for you, what works for you. And then just be honest with yourself. Are you actually doing it? Are you really putting the systems in place? And sometimes developing new habits can be hard work. I'm not going to lie to you. I've gone through periods where I have to tick a box every day, literally on an app, to develop a new habit because it's just not sinking in. Often those lower points in my life where I'm struggling in the past, I you know, I've been very public with about a year I had of really intense depression, you know, that was a moment to moment battle for me. And I had to have systems in place to get myself out of that place. And so if there's something you want to do and you're just not able to do it for some reason, get get clear, get serious about it and put the systems in place to develop that new habit and then just do it. Stick to it, keep it simple. Would you add anything to that?
0: Just wanted to add you know, it's the little things that you do each day that add up to big results or big consequences. Like Nick was saying, you know, that decision to eat an unhealthy breakfast and then you do it the next day and then the next day, they add up. So we are so passionate about health because we've both not had our health. So we know what it's like to have really poor health and to both be in hospital and we know how good it feels to feel good and to feel healthy and strong. And so it's these little things that we do every day that we talk about in the health hacks and the everyday longevity chapter that we actually live. like. We live like this. This is, this is what we do every day. And it's not a chore. It actually brings us so much joy and we feel good. And I'm all about feeling good.
1: Well, something else from the book that I loved like another lesson that I learned from the book was the idea of like treating time as compound interest and I loved that analogy and the way that you guys talked about like if you are just taking if you're always finishing your workout five minutes short that's fine one day but if you do it every day or if that's your trend that adds up to a lot of time you're missing out on by the end of the year and conversely if you just Added in five minutes of stretching or foam rolling or, or something like that, the compound effect of that, by the end of the year, it's massive. I think we added it up and it was something like five minutes a day, is something like 30 hours a year, I think, from memory.
2: Yeah, we did it over a lifetime, didn't we, as well, I think. And it was yeah. huge. We were quite, kind of shocked at, at that tiny behavioral change. If you look at it in terms of longevity... And health span it's it's huge but it's just this tiny little decision and it's the same as oh i'm gonna have my short black or my cappuccino each day okay cool be aware that we live in a world of jacked up cortisol because we're always you know the way this world sort of is programmed is we're on red alert all the time you know with notifications on our phones and phones ringing and tvs and marketing so if you're going to have that coffee sweet do it but be aware There's a trade-off for that. You are going to be dragging from your adrenals, from your kidneys, and that has to be balanced out. So, so, you know, have some mucker powder or something. Like, be really smart about the choices you're making and make sure that, again, find out what works for you, keep it simple, and just do it for a long time. You know, it's really interesting. There was an episode on Rich Roll's podcast recently with, I think his name was Dave Fremont. He was 100 years old. and He was diagnosed with terminal colon cancer at 69 and it had metastasized through his body and he was a bit of a mess. And his son had just before that given him this book, which was the cancer prevention diet, I think it was called. And so he read the book and it was essentially a macrobiotic diet. This is a long time ago. And he did it. And Rich wanted to dig into like, oh, what are the secrets? Because not only did he live to 100, he's broken dozens and dozens and dozens of world records. He's still aiming to run a marathon like 102, right? Which is crazy. And Rich really wanted to know the secret. You know, what's the secret? You know, like, talk to us about your your food. Like, what are you eating? He's like, you know, he just sort of laughed and he said, I'm very simple. You know, um, I had some oatmeal and some berries this morning and lunch, I had some broccoli and some black beans, a little bit of ketchup to make it taste good. Now, the thing is, right, it's not rocket science. He's just been doing it for so long. And he's also connected it to a core value around sustainability. So sustainability in the environment has become a core value for him. And he teaches a lot about this at, at 100 years of age. He's doing amazing things in that space around sustainability. And he just keeps doing it. And he runs, he just changed from running 10 miles three times a week to five miles three times a week at 100. He's like, you know, he said it was just taking him too long. Like he needed to, he needed some more time back, right? So, but his secret was to reach. Really is like, I just do it. I just keep it simple and I just do it, <laughs> you know? And he had, he had the wake up. He was told he had three months to live. He didn't want to go back to that. So... It's not rocket science. I think time magic is great because everything in it is so easy and so doable by every single person. You know, one of the biggest health hacks we have in the book is, actually comes from Michael Pollan, eat food, mostly plants, not too much, right? There's nothing dogmatic about that. We talk a lot about that. It's very, very simple, the things we need to do. You don't need to read a book, 300 pages on on diet. You just don't. It is so simple to really make the changes that will move the needle in your health. So, you know, that was one of the parts of the book I loved reading and writing the most was because we actually sat down just in, we were like, how are we going to do this section of the book around health in a book about time? Because it kind of, you know, like how do we make that fit? Because it's so important. And we're like, well, it has to be simple to do for everyone and they can read it in one page.
0: And the reason why there is the health hacks and the everyday longevity in a book called Time Magic, Reclaim Your Time, Reclaim Your Life, is because we want to not only help you reclaim 16 years of your life, which is one of the promises in the book, but it's not then about having 16 more years and not having your health and being riddled with cancer and disease. We want you to have 16 more years and get to 100 or whatever age you want to get to thriving and still doing yoga, and still running like that man. Like, we want you to have your health. No one wants to get to the end of their life riddled with disease. And so that's why the everyday longevity and the health hacks are in the book.
2: I just want to add as well that to the listeners, you know, we didn't pull this stuff out of our butt. Like, (laughs) everything in the book is scientifically backed. And I'm not talking about some fringe study that tells you that you know, eating cows, testicles is going to do this for you. Like, no, we're talking about the totality of evidence that's available out there and what that points towards with no dogma. Now, yes, we're a plant-based family, but this is not a plant-based book. As I said, this is a dogma-free book and we just present the totality of evidence. And I think we have to be very careful when we are talking about these sorts of things that we don't get caught up in echo chambers and we pull back, look at it from 30,000 feet and look at the totality. And ultimately, Michael Pollan did nail it. Eat food, mostly plants, not too much. And you know what you put on your plate, that last 10% is up to you. We actually had originally, Jess, you remember this, we had an environmental section in the book. And we, we had to cut it because the publishers wanted to make the book smaller. It was about 15,000 words more, I think. And we had to find ways to reduce it. We took that out, which was for me kind of heartbreaking, to be honest, because I said, look, what's the point in talking about time if we're not talking about the environment? Because what's it going to be like for our children? If we really do have 50 to 60 harvests, harvests in the world left because of the soil degradation, don't we need to talk about that? You know? Yeah.
1: If we're uh, going to live a long life, we
2: need to live somewhere. We need to live somewhere, right? And with that's, This is Earth, right? Yeah. We had to take that out, unfortunately. But that was hugely important. And the way we tied that in was that by doing the thing that is proven, the totality of evidence proves will help you live the longest, which is eating mostly plants, also is amazing for the environment and is where the majority of the population on the planet has to get to within 10 years, which is kind of shocking, right? And... There's a great book, if you want to read it, called The Carbon Almanac by Seth Godin. And um, it's really in-depth. It's got 300 authors on it, right? So it's really, really well written, very well studied. And when you see the the data on it, it's quite frightening, actually. And we do need to make changes by simply shifting to predominantly plant-based. We can all contribute to a world that our children will get to enjoy like we get to enjoy so I know we didn't get to put it in the book, but I'm putting it here because it's it's a huge core value for us.
1: I know that was a very painful moment for you. I was the one, I think I tried to condense it and then it just still had to cut it. Very sad. The next book, hey, okay? the next one.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, it's so needed and not spoken enough about.
1: And to go back to something you mentioned there just about the science and the references in this book, that actually... I forget what the word count was. It was something like fifteen thousand words were purely just on references. We had so many references. Obviously it's incredibly important to make sure that everything, you know, that you're sharing in a book like this is backed by robust science and clinically tested and isn't, you know, one case study done once somewhere, you know, that can't be replicated again. And to your point, Nick, I think that a really clear decision that you both made really early on was the idea of everything being simple so that we could reduce people's mental bandwidth. It's not about adding more to their daily load than their daily to do list. It's actually the opposite. It's about taking things off your mental plate, putting it on, putting the things you can on autopilot so that you can spend your time intentionally doing the things that you want to do. Yeah.
2: And speaking about autopilot, we had this question in another interview about technology. And, you know, they were sort of like, yeah, but no, is contributing to the overwhelm and it's it's true so you have to be clear on where you're spending your time on technology however technology can create incredible amounts of freedom because of the automated nature of technology so we don't shy away from that in the book we really double down on using technology to create space and time for you whether that's using things like the tick or flick system which we obviously talk about in the book, which I know, Jess, when you read it, you were like, wow, this is amazing. Loved it. (laughs) (laughs) And so technology is another thing which if you just use the right piece of technology the right way, it can be so powerful, so powerful. And this book is full of apps, full of ideas on, well, not too many, but the ones that we know move the needle the most and give you the most time back.
1: So if you're asking me to be intentional with my time and to reclaim minutes and hours and years of my life back, does that mean that I never get to watch Netflix anymore or I never get to follow my favorite people on Instagram or I never
0: get to just sort of veg? Absolutely not. You can still do those things. And in fact, I think there's a time and a place for them. Absolutely. But it's again coming back to your intention. And being conscious, you know, before you open your phone and click the social media button, asking yourself, like, what is my intention here? Why am I going on? Is it to post this post? Is it to check a DM from a friend? Is it to do my DMs? Is it to check my comments? Is it to have a little scroll? And then if it is to have a little scroll, that's great. Set a time limit for yourself. Give, put an alarm on your phone for 10 minutes or however long you feel personally okay with doing. So that's really important. Being intentional and conscious about what you're doing, not mindlessly scrolling or going to the fridge and eating the whole tub. Like asking yourself, like, why am I getting this ice cream? Why am I shopping online? Why am I overeating? You know, why, what is my intention with? binge watching 17 episodes in one night. You know what I mean? So being really intentional like we love Friday nights is our time where we either watch a movie and granted 99% of the time we never finish it because I'm asleep in 5 minutes. Like let's be honest, we never finish it. But, you know, we'll we'll lay down together and we'll either watch a movie or we'll watch an episode of something on the weekends. like That's what we do. and And that's only if we feel like it. But most of the time, we're like, let's just go into bed and connect or read or talk or whatever it is. But there is a place for it. And that's okay. It's about being intentional and conscious about where you're spending your time and having fun doing it as well and not beating yourself up for it. If you want to scroll social media for 10 minutes and it brings you so much joy, then do it. And all power to you, don't beat yourself up because beating yourself up is a waste of your precious time.
1: One thing that I think a lot of people can relate to, and perhaps specifically parents, is so my daughter's four, I, she's nearly four. I've spent all these years being so focused on other people, your child, keeping the house running, keeping your business running, that the moment that I have free time, whether it's 10 minutes or an hour, I don't know what to do with it. And those are the moments I think for so many of us, particularly mums, I think you pick up your phone and you start scrolling purely because you don't know what else to do. Or you look around and you're like, I've got an hour. I'm just going to do laundry and clean the house. So I loved in the book that you actually talk about what to do with your time off to make it, you call it high nutrient leisure something that's actually fulfilling. I wonder if you can talk about that for people like me who sometimes struggle to know what to do with their time off.
0: Yes, this is a common question. We ask people, what do you love? What brings you joy? And we are just met with crickets. People are like, I don't know. Especially mamas. Especially mamas, I don't know. I don't know. Well, before my daughter was born 7 years ago, I used to like riding my bike. I don't know though, because I haven't done it in seven years. So we talk about in the book how important it is and how to identify what it is that actually brings you joy. And for every single person, it's completely different. It might be gardening or surfing or crochet or pottery or dancing. It actually doesn't matter what it is, But what does matter is that you take the time to identify what are those two or three things that really bring you joy and then you implement them into your life. And when you do find yourself having those moments, you go to those first and it might help you to write them down on a post-it note and stick them on your computer or your fridge or somewhere where you can see them. And so when, you know, your daughter sleeps a little bit longer and you're like, oh, she's still asleep. I mean, I've got 10 minutes or you you find yourself with 15 minutes before school pickup or whatever it is and the kids are playing happily. Yeah, instead of picking up your phone and, and mindlessly scrolling, do some star jumps or, I don't know, have a little dance. Do one of those things off that list. It's very easy to do everything else, the laundry, the cleaning, the this and the that. And it's also important to mention that we have to prioritize ourselves. And I find those little moments throughout the day, I call them the bonus moments, like those little bonus moments where I'm like, Bambi's still asleep. Okay. Like I can breathe for 10 minutes. I can do some deep breathing or um, whatever it is, meditate for five minutes do some stretching like Nick's doing right now, foam rolling, you know, those I call bonus moments. But you need to have the other moments. And that's why, you know, we talk about filling yourself up first in the morning is so important. It doesn't have to be five hours. It could be meditating for 10 minutes before your kids wake up and moving your body or whatever it is. But taking that time first thing in the morning is so powerful. Tag teaming with your partner. Like that's what we used to do when we had Leo and we'd have to do school drop-offs. We would always tag team. I'd meditate or Nick would meditate. Then one person would do the school drop-off and then we'd swap, you know, like you just have to get really creative with yourself, with your kids, with your partner to make sure that you are full because It's not pretty when you're putting yourself at the bottom of your to-do list, when you are people-pleasing and you just keep sliding down the priority list. You don't show up as the best mom. You don't show up as the best version of you. You show up as the cranky, tired, resentful, overwhelmed, stressed version of yourself. And I know that version of me sucks. Nick, you are known as this sort of crazy biohacker guy who
1: sleeps in a hyperbaric chamber from time to time and we've had zoom calls over the years where you've like had you know weird contraption contraptions on your nose like we've had you know you are that guy so you wrote this chapter in the book it's one of my favorite chapters it's called everyday longevity can you tell us why you decided to go for these simple doable achievable everyday hacks for longevity instead of pluripotent, whatever you were trying to tell me themselves. about themselves.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, look, I mean, I think look, the science of longevity is very exciting. There's a lot of stuff coming out right now, like Tony Robbins' book Life Force is all about that. So if you're interested in all the fringe stuff that's happening, read Life Force because, you know, it's, it is interesting. However, it's really expensive and very hard to access And I mean, to some extent, I sort of feel like the jury is still out on some of these things because they are new and yes, they might be getting results in certain situations, but a lot of these things are new. So what can we do every day that is simple, free or very cheap, yet is proven to move the needle. Now, not everyone has an infrared sauna at their house or a sauna, but a lot of gyms do. So a lot of people have like a gym membership, for example, and they're not using the sauna in their gym. Or you can join a club. There's one here for $40 a week and you can have unlimited infrared saunas and cold plunge. Now, I don't know if you remember the stats on this, Jess, but from memory. <laughs> You're
1: testing me now. Yeah. There, there was a
2: study that came out, a huge study on sauna use with men from memory in Finland.
1: Was in think, Finland, in Finland, it's such a part of their culture there, yeah.
2: And there was the difference between using it once a week I think two or three times a week and six days a week or something like that. Yeah. And the statistics from once a week, now I'm paraphrasing here, so please read the book and you'll get, you'll get the, correct, the correct numbers. Um, from memory, once a week reduced all-cause mortality, which means dying from like anything, by 20% once a week. I think using it a few times a week was maybe 40% and then six times a week was like 60%. Right, So if you could take a pill that gave you that, how much would you pay for it?
1: Yeah. And the list of things that it was helping with was ridiculous. Insane. It was reducing cardiovascular risk, dementia risk, like neurodegenerative disease. It was quite crazy.
2: It was insane. It was incredible. Now, now, let's look at the opposite of that. Let's look at cold water immersion or cold therapy. Now, again, not everyone has a cold plunge pool. But I guarantee you we all have a bowl that we can fill with water and put in the freezer, right? Because one of the things we talk about is the Time Magic ice facial. And you put a small amount of water in a bowl, you put it in the freezer overnight, you take it out, fill that bowl with water, let it just kind of dissolve the frozen ice so it becomes very cold and you just put your face in it for as long as you can. And not only is it really good for your skin... It actually mimics the effects of putting your entire body in cold water. And it does this because it's stimulating the vagus nerve. The vagus nerve is something we actually want to stimulate. You know, we think of stimulating as kind of like a bad thing. Stimulation of the vagus nerve is what we're trying to seek, and is what happens with these sorts of hormetic therapies. And hormetic means you're taking like a small dose of something that would generally be pretty bad for you. And in small doses, it's really good. So If you were to have a cold plunge for too long, you get hypothermia. It's not good for you, right? But if you have a small amount of it, it makes you stronger. Same with heat. Same with so many things. Same with the phytonutrients in plants. You know, there's this big carnivore movement around not having plants and nuts and seeds and legumes because of the phytonutrients, the anti-nutrients. What they're missing in that is that the hormetic effect of having that small amount is really powerful to the point where scientists are wanting to call it vitamin P like vitamin phytate, because it's so hermetic for your body. So I wanted to introduce things that anyone could do. And I re sort of a circle back on the plant thing there as well, just reiterated the importance of eating predominantly plants, because again, in plants is fiber and fiber is linked to so many different things. When you increase by 10 grams of fiber a day, you decrease your risk of cardiovascular disease by a huge amount just by increasing your fiber by 10 grams. So
1: That's actually a funny behind the scenes story. Do you remember? I believe it was the night before the manuscript was due and Nick and I were on our opposite ends of the computer in the Google Doc editing that chapter and all of a sudden a comment from Mel pops up that says, we haven't talked about paleo poo. Do you remember that? It was like 8 p.m. at night or something the day before the manuscript was due. And I
2: think that was a, actually me logged in as Melissa. Oh,
1: okay. <laughs> and in the end, it was like it's 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 a fascinating like who thinks of fiber as being this longevity superstar. It just seems like something your grandma stirred into a you know her menu <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
2: and again, that points to the totality of evidence, right? You know, fiber when you when you zoom out and you look at that as a nutrient essentially, and what it does for longevity is very, very, very powerful. We're not talking about taking a fiber supplement, we're talking about just eating more plants, eating more fiber bites. It's very, very simple to do. You know, a, a tablespoon of cheese seeds a day is a huge needle mover in that department. So yeah, everyday longevity was, was fun because I had to really get clear on, okay, this has to be, we have a criteria in there for if it's going to be classified as everyday longevity, it has to be easy, has to be fast has to be free or very inexpensive to do, has to be proven by science and very effective. And everything mentioned in that chapter meets that criteria.
1: I, My personal favorite, as Mel was suggesting before, is the Time Magic Oral Health Routine, which everyone will have to buy the book to find out because I, I loved that so much and I, I now do it every day. I know you guys have to go. One rapid fire question for you each. If I could ma- wave a magic wand, Time magic is already in libraries around the world. Okay, that's my wish. We're waving the magic wand. Time magic is in libraries around the world. Which time magic trick would you like seen in taught in classrooms that we could teach kids from an early age? Pick one time magic trick each. Gosh, there's so many.
0: There's too. There's too many. But I think. Oh, mm, I think just. Well, firstly, I want them to know. Just how precious and sacred life is, and that we only get one. And I think, I know in my teenage years, I thought I was invincible. I truly did. And I did very, very, very silly things that I'm not proud of. And I truly thought I was invincible. And I thought my parents were invincible as well. And I just, I would love for them to know just and remember how sacred and precious life is and how magical they are. And just to make the most of this one beautiful life that we have been gifted to do what lights them up, because life is so precious. We don't know how long we're here for. So firstly, I would want them to know that deep in their core, because if they left school and they knew that, the choices that we would make about career, about relationships, about health would be very different. So I think, yeah, I I would say that.
2: I probably sound like a broken record, but (laughs) I mean, our children are in the future and the decisions they make will greatly influence how our children and their children will live. So (laughs) I would like to put back in the environmental section. But other than that, I think (laughs) just being very aware of the choices they're making with the food they put in their body which is where that everyday longevity or just the the health hacks come in focusing on plants because it's going to make them thrive and help the planet to thrive and i don't know what's more important than that you know and there's a lot of things in there they could be doing so it's hard to limit it to one but i just keep coming back to that because it's just so important
1: Can I add one as the editor? My favorite that I wish to impart to my child that I'd love all children to know. And Mel, I think you were the one who brought this quote to us originally, which was that how we spend our days is how we spend our lives. How we spend our hours and minutes is how we're building the life that we want to have for the long term. And it has to start now. Absolutely. And guys, it's been such a treat. Thank you for having me. This is We could talk for hours about this book. And I just also want to say, I work on a lot of books. I obviously read a crap ton. This book is truly something special. It's just, I feel it would be, it's an essential thing, I think. It's life-changing skills inside that people will come back to again and again.
0: You want it on your bookshelf. Mm. Thank you so much for having us today, beautiful, And, and for being an incredible host. And
2: an amazing collaborative partner.
0: Yeah. And just for being, yeah, not only an incredible human and someone we love working with, like over 10 years we have worked (laughs) together. And I just think that's amazing. We've, we've had marriages, we've had babies, there's been all sorts of things that we've experienced in this time together. And I'm so grateful. And, you know, you are just such a beautiful person to work with and to collaborate with. And, Having your eyes over everything is just the best ever. And and not only on all of that, you're a dear friend of ours and we love and adore you and we're so grateful to have you in our life. So thank you. Thank you for sprinkling your magic over time magic and for, um, yeah, just being you. We love and adore you and want to encourage everyone to get time magic. Head to timemagic.me and get your copy and we would love to hear what you think because it's out right now which is so exciting
2: and do us a favour please head to Amazon and leave a review because the Amazon algorithm loves a review and it helps people see the book and we want this book to be in the hands of as many people as possible and reviews are an incredibly powerful way that you can help us spread the message so please head to your local Amazon whether it's .com .com .com.au .co.uk doesn't really matter Leave us a review, honest review, hopefully five stars. We think it's six stars, just quietly. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, that'd be really fantastic. Thank you, guys.
0: Thank you, beautiful Jess, and thank you for listening. Thank you, Jess. There you have it, my friends, a little sneak peek into what you can expect in Time Magic. And if we didn't have a little tiny angel waking up, At that time, we would have kept recording for probably another three hours. There were so many more awesome questions that Jess had for us, and I would have loved to have got through them all. So maybe we'll do a part two. Send me a DM on Instagram if you want me and Nick to do a part two to dive even deeper into these awesome topics. And just thank you guys for being here. Really, truly, we are so grateful. Thank you for celebrating this huge milestone with us. It is so awesome to write a book with your partner and to share it with you guys. This is a life-changing, game-changing book, and we are so excited that it is finally here and in your hands. So make sure you head to timemagic.me to get your copy right now. And if you loved this episode, please subscribe to the show and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And once you have read Time Magic, please leave a review on Amazon. Now, before I go, thank you so much for being here, for wanting to be the best, the healthiest and the happiest version of yourself and for showing up today for you. You rock. Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, please share it with them right now. I personally think that everyone could benefit from this episode and from Time Magic. So please share it with them right now.